At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Robert Morton, who is one of our community members and who is a very incredible wildlife portrait and street photographer. He and I talk about how he got into photography, his health struggles and how he overcame them and became a happier person, tips for anyone who's going through a difficult time in their lives, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Robert. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Tyre. It's lovely to finally talk to you. My name's Robert Moulton and I live in Essex in the United Kingdom. I specialise in street photography, macro photography and landscape photography. And I've just this year got into wildlife photography. So I'm struggling with that a bit, but trying my best. I can't believe you got into wildlife photography just this year because it seems like you've been taking those kinds of photos for a long time. They look so professional, just amazing. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I will. Well, there's a lot of photos that you don't see. I mean, I can go out, I can take a thousand, thousand five hundred photos, and at that one thousand five hundred photos, I might only have an handful. So. Yeah, it's a lot of, it's a very hit and miss at the moment, but doing the best, you know? Definitely, yeah. I just had an interview actually with Joel Sartori, who works for National Geographic, and he told me that he takes at least 30,000 photos a year, and out of those 30,000, he will only pick maximum four photographs. So even someone as experienced as him is very picky. So I think it's something every photographer struggles with. I don't think it struggles. I, I think it's very hit and miss with your auto I have to use autofocus and I think it's very hit and miss with it. And as you know in wildlife photography the eye has got to be spot on. It's it, it, it can't be soft so that the bird be a badger be a fox the eye needs to be spot on and 
sometimes they're soft and what can you do exactly yeah you just have to deal with it and hope that the next photo will look better but yes exactly. definitely hit and miss as you said because the subjects are so unpredictable and you can't ask them to pose for you unfortunately and in a way that's no. exciting i think as well it is what it is it's wildlife photography and i'm learning as i go and you know it's i go on youtube i look for wildlife photographers and i take their instructions on what to do and that's that's how i learn it's been interesting i mean at the moment i'm trying to photograph badgers where where i live i've got a big badger set and i've been out three times now and i haven't taken one photo of the badger yet so what you know it's, it's very hard but you know i'm learning it's interesting how every photography genre comes with its own requirements in a sense so in wildlife photography you have to be patient with animals you have to wait for them especially if you're shooting out in the wild. In portrait photography, it's obviously, as you know, completely different where you can just pose yeah. your model. So it's exciting and it's so cool that you specialize in different things as well. I think that makes your life more exciting. You can photograph pretty much anything really well, in my opinion. Oh, thank you so much. It's, you know, oh, I've, I've got it in my notes, but it, unfortunately it's, um, it's, it's due to my MS and um, I haven't been out and you know it, it's what can i photograph so if i'm not going out i, I will photograph indoors I, I will do macro things like that so you know i'm always photographing something and thinking some things up i do research and look for things and that that's how i uh, move on so thank you for that when and how did you get into photography well back in 1981 I took photography in school and my dad, we didn't have a lot of money back then. And my dad bought me an old Zenith E. It's an old Russian camera. Um, you have to, like say, there's no autofocus or anything. You have to focus, you know, shut the aperture, things like that. So that's, that's how I got into photography. And like say 10 years later in about 1993-94 I got back into the uh, dark room because the schools we used to use the dark rooms they used to let us walk around you know go around the streets and stuff like that take photographs so back in 1993 I got back into the dark room and you know I had a dark room at home set one up and I'd started to take photography more serious and I joined camera clubs and I started entering in competitions in the camera clubs and I was doing okay. I, I was doing okay. I was still rubbish. I was, you know, honestly, I, I look at my photos that I've got printed and I think, oh my God, what was you thinking? But I think when you print your work, and you look back on your work and you can see how much you've grown as a photographer and you know you look at it and think oh my god you know it's totally rubbish but back then in 93 94 it was it was awesome and i think as you grow as a photographer you see things different you know i i took 
my favourite photo back then, I took a photo in London. Back then, it was the area wasn't well, it was Canary Wolf was the building. And it was standing on its own. And I've still got the photo. I should have sent it in to you. And I um, pushed my film. I was using a film speed, I think, uh, something like 1600 ISO. And I pushed the film to 3200 to really make it grainy. And that photo is still one of my favourite photos. And I've got that. I should have sent it in. I should have scanned it and sent it in to you, but I didn't. So that sounds amazing. I, you should. I mean, you still have time to send me the photo. I can yeah. just share it with everybody who's listening. Yeah, it'll be really exciting for them to see. I'm sure. I'm really curious to know what it is. It's just an airy wolf standing on its own, and now they built up, built it up so much. There's about six seven different buildings by the side of it so you can't get this photo anymore you you couldn't you couldn't recreate this photo and it's very grainy and it's i it's one of my favorite photos when i was printing um in the dark room that's amazing it's so great that you've experienced different phases of photography and i think it's really important for us to be able to look back at our work and to sometimes think, oh, yeah, that was rubbish. What were you thinking? It's difficult to kind of process those feelings. But then at the same time, if you can look back at certain photos and feel that way, it means you improved. And it's a reflection of your progress, essentially. Yeah, oh, definitely. It, it really is. I bet you probably look back at some of your photos and think, yeah, OK, I could have done that better. But just as, as we grow. And us photographers, I think we are our worst critics because we look at our work and think, no, that's rubbish. No one's going to like that. You know, and people do. People do, people do like, you know, your work when you put them out there. It's fascinating, isn't it? I also feel the same way. I'm sure most of the listeners can relate to what you just said. We are definitely very hard on ourselves. Even if we pursue photography as just a hobby, we still want our photos to look a certain way. I think it's good to have that motivation, but at the same time, we should give ourselves a break and just appreciate our work, what it is in this moment right now. Oh, definitely. You know, we, we need to sort of step back and just appreciate what, we, what we've taken and stop being a critic and let people... You know, I, I've put photos out there and I think, oh, my God, you know, people are going to rip me to pieces for this. The amount of like really good feedback I've got, it's it, it is amazing. So we are definitely our worst critics. What camera equipment do you use? Right at the moment, right, I've got a I use a Canon 5D Mark IV. I use my Ricoh GR2, and that's for street photography. It's a little camera. And it's got a lovely little sensor and people can't see it. So it's a very small camera. I've got a 100mm macro lens that I use for my uh, macro photography. My favourite lens is my 50mm, Canon 50mm 1.4 Prime. I think you've got 1.2. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would have loved to have got that one, but I think um, the 1.4 is, is a beautiful lens. 
and my new baby is my Canon, it's a Prime, and I've got a 500mm f4. My wife purchased it for me, and it's um, it's a fast lens, it's an f4, and it, it, is, it is very heavy, but it's for wildlife photography, and oh, I love that lens, it's so sharp. And then I've got me Tamron, 150 to 600 millimeter zoom. I don't use that as much now because of my Canon 500 millimeter f4. So don't use that as much. And then for my landscape photography, I use my Canon 24 to 105 zoom, which is a beautiful lens and it's very sharp and it takes lovely landscape pictures. I like that you have a different lens for different situations. So you have a smaller camera for street photography. You have a very long lens for wildlife photography, special macro lens, so on and so forth. I think that makes it so much easier to take unique photos every time because you have the right equipment for every situation. Yeah, the, the thing, you know, it, it can run into a lot of money. Even my 100 mil macro. I use that for portraits sometimes because that is sharp. It is such a sharp lens. I use that for portraits. When I was in the camera club, basically, I was, I was speaking to one of the members and he said, have you got your 100mm macro with you? And I said, yeah. And he said, shoot with that. He said, because that is so sharp. And honestly... It, it really was. I, sh I shot, I, I think you've seen the photo. I didn't share it. It was the guy with the beard and the glasses. Oh, yes. Yes. So I shot that with, that was shot with a 100mm macro. And it was it was so sharp. And I love that photo. So, it's such a nice photo. Yeah, that was set up in the camera club. So. Got it. Okay. That's a very striking portrait. And again, I like how creative you are because you will try different techniques. You will use different lenses in different situations. Another one of your techniques that I found out about through you was ICM, intentional camera movement. And that's been very interesting for me to work with as well. So have you been doing any ICM? A little bit. I'm a bit scared of it. <laughs> the thing with ICM, you do take a lot of photos and a lot of photos will be rubbish. And then You'll go through them and Neil will be a keeper. So you, you will take a lot of photos and you will look mad because you'd be standing on the bank of a river or in the high street and you're waving your camera about and people think, what are you doing? The end result can be fantastic with ICM. I, I really do like ICM. It's, it's Again, that's a new genre that I've only been doing about a year. So, you know, these these little things, they do come out, and I, I, I do have a go. To anyone who doesn't know who's listening, what ICM is, it's basically intentional camera movement. When you intentionally move your camera as you press the shutter, usually that's something photographers try to avoid. But in this case, it creates very beautiful abstract results, and it often makes your photos look like paintings. Exactly. That's what you're after. You're after this, this painterly feeling with your picture it really can work i was um you know taking some pictures of some flowers and i would do a two second exposure you know i'd count in my head so i have 
1.5 seconds on the actual image and then move my camera and focus on some fabric to get that texture. And yeah, that that really worked. It took a lot of um, photos, but it come out okay. I did share that photo, I think, with you. I remember a few photos that you shared using that technique and all of them really stood out to me. And yeah, I would have mistaken them for paintings, honestly. Yeah, that, it, it really can, can work really well. It's a fantastic technique. And nowadays with digital, we, we can take hundreds of photos and we just delete them. Like in the film days, you had 36 exposures. And I think back in the film days, I think you had to think of your composition more because you didn't want to waste your film. You know, you, know, you had 36 exposures, so you had to think more of what you're doing. But now with digital, you, you can take them and just throw them away. That's right. It's less expensive now. You can just take as many photos as you like and you don't need to worry. No, exactly. So all your rubbish ones, no one sees that, but... When you was on film, all your rubbish ones were, um, yeah, they were all on negatives. So, honestly, when we were shooting with film back in the day, and you think, do you know what, I think that's going to be a really nice photo. And then you've got about 15 exposures that you've got to use up. So, I, I would take pictures of anything just to, so I can develop the film and see what I got. And usually nine times out of ten, it weren't as good as what I thought it would be. So, yeah, so it was pretty rubbish back then. I think that experience helped you get the skills that you have now. And so, so everything that we do, even if it's a failure, I think it can be very beneficial to our future selves, even if in the moment we feel, ah, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> I think with photography, you, you really got to fail and take really rubbish photos to improve. Yeah, I think someone said something about your first 40,000 photo. I might be wrong, but something like that would be rubbish. Well, we didn't obviously look at my um, my negatives and my camera because I can honestly tell you it was probably the first 80,000 that was really, really rubbish, just taking photos of anything. So, yeah, in the old black and white days. Yeah, it was it was very interesting, and and I miss the dark room. To be honest, that's that's something I do miss. The dark room, where you got all the chemicals. I miss the smell of the dark room, the anticipation, putting your photo into developer, and watching it come through, and then you put it in your stock, and then you fix to. It's and then when you come out because you you've got a red light in the dark room and then when you come out and then it, it looks totally different in the dark room and then you come out oh my god and then you think oh my god that's rubbish <laughs> so I rather I, I liked I liked the what I see in the dark room but I don't like to see what I see in natural light so yeah I do miss them days. Yeah, it's a very different environment now. Now we just edit on our computers and it's much faster. I can imagine how magical it felt to have this photo being developed in front of you. And for me now, the only thing that I can compare it to is actually printing your photos. It's obviously not the same, but to me, when I print my photos and see them in real life, that's super exciting to me. So I can yeah. imagine how much more exciting it was in the dark room. See, this is another thing people need to do as photographers. 
is print your work. Print your work because it's okay seeing your photos on a laptop or your computer. But when you print your work, you see different things and you, you, you really do. And you think, because the computer's got backlight to it and everything looks really nice, shiny and everything. When you print your work, it can look totally different. So you, there's things that you have to do to in Lightroom or Photoshop to, you know, make that photo look what you're seeing on your screen. I mean, I when I used to print, I used to up my exposure a bit so it was a lot brighter, balance out what I was seeing on the screen to what I was printing. I, I don't know if you have the same sort of problem. Yeah, for me, when I print my photos, they do look different in print than they do on the screen. And so I think it's a matter of calibration. And that is different when it comes to different kinds of equipment, obviously. So yeah, I mean, I struggle with too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I calibrate my computer. Uh, it's because of the brightness. Now, when when I'm editing, my my brightness is sort of halfway. So you know, it it should balance out. But when I'm printing, I just up my exposure a bit. And what that does when I print out my photos it sort of balances out what I see on the screen to my print. So it's, it's quite a good tip, really. Just up your exposure a little bit. I like that. I've never edited my photos specifically for print. And yes, I'm just thinking about the times when I had to print my photos and they turned out really dark. Definitely yeah, just, something I can relate to. All the shadowy parts are very shadowy. The highlights yeah. are just all over the place. It doesn't look as good as it did on the screen. So it's a good tip. Thank you. Yeah, it's just, uh, just up your exposure. You have been an active member of our community for a while, which is how I know you. And you're also one of our ambassadors. You are constantly sharing your work with the members. You're very supportive. And I see that you've made a few friends. And we're just very grateful for you at photographycourse.net. What is the most interesting thing you've learned from the other members so far? Do you know, I... I I did struggle with this one. I really had to think. Being part of this community, I think the best thing I've learned is actually how to shoot panos, panoramas. I tried it once and it was on an old church and it, where it stitched together because it was a building, the lines were all wonky and things like that. And seriously going on to the community and speaking with other people and that i shot some beach huts and they really really did come out well and it was my only my second time of using panos using a pano photography i think i took i think it was about seven shots of these beach huts and i had to stitch them together in photoshop and i had to edit them a bit but they really did come out well so i was pleased with that and the other thing i learned it was diptychs now i've never used diptychs in my photography and i love them it, it just tells a story you can put two together three together or even four and you can tell a story and i've never used them before and that is something I learned. And I will be going forward with them and using them. But 
part of my photography to tell a story because it's a powerful way to, you know, you tell this story and if you put them together, it it, it just tells the story lovely. So I, I thank you for that. Thank you for saying that. I've also learned a lot from the community members because there's only so much you can learn yourself. There's only so much you can know about photography yourself. So when other people introduce you to certain techniques or concepts, then your world kind of expands and you can take better photographs. I also am a big fan of diptychs, honestly. It's my favorite photography technique. And you're right. It's absolutely amazing for storytelling. And to anyone who's listening who doesn't know what a diptych is, it's essentially a photo collage. And as Robert said, it's sometimes made up of two photos, three photos, four photos. And I think the most common, I would say, is two photos. And they're in one document, in one frame, essentially. And they tell a story. It can be any subject. So it's it's a great way to get creative and to express yourself. And I'm really happy, Robert, that you are enjoying both of those techniques. Oh, it's, it, it's a fantastic technique. And like I say, um, in my photography, even in wildlife, I probably will use a diptych just to tell a story of an animal, if I'm lucky enough to catch, uh, you know, the photos that I need to. But it's a brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So thank you for that. Thank you too. And being a part of a community can be a little bit intimidating, I think, especially if it's offline, but even online, it can be a bit scary, especially if you're new to this kind of thing. I don't remember the exact date you joined, but I remember seeing your photo for the first time in the community. And right from the get-go, you were very communicative and very open with the other members. So I think that you have some wisdom to share in that area. So if someone is new to a community like ours, how can they make the most of their experience? To be honest, I think, say hi, we, we, we don't buy it. Upload the photo. We won't say your photo, that photo's rubbish. Don't be shy. None of us will say that. We will give you advice how to improve your photo if it needs improving we as a community will help you to the best of our ability i'm dyslexic <laughs> i'm really bad i'm terrible and some of my spelling when i you know write the write things down you know put a put a post up and I, I look at them and, and sometimes I click and think, no, that ain't spelled like that. No one comes back at me and, you know, laughs at my spelling. It's, I mean, I'm actually embarrassed by it. That's me. You know, I'm open. That's me. Just absolutely rubbish. I should have stayed in school longer, but that's me. But definitely upload a photo, ask for constructive criticism. We will give you that criticism. We will talk to you. And yeah, honestly, you you will improve. There's so many members that are going through the 52-week um, challenge at the moment. And there's one guy, I think he's improved so much from his first photos. And I think he's, I think you know what I'm talking about. He's he's on about week 35 now, and his photos have improved so much. Just say hi, and we will be there to help you. Are you referring to Stephen by any chance? I am. Yeah, you know, definitely he's, he's improved so much. Bless him. 
hopefully Stephen is listening to this episode. Hi, Stephen. And to anyone who's listening, Stephen is also one of our most active community members. And he and Robert often share a lot of amazing images in the community. And they, they're they basically best buddies in the group. So it's always nice to uh, meet. Yeah, he's, he's doing so well, bless him. He's sort of pushing his photography on a new direction to when he started. So that's really good. So 52-week project, there you go, another success story. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, anyone who's listening who hasn't joined yet, please join our 52-week project. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. I'm really excited because I just finished filming the project, actually. So it's a milestone for me, and I'm really excited to see all the photos that everyone will take for it. But you're right about joining a community. I think it's scary because you think, oh, I have to take perfect photos. I have to look a certain way. But as you said, no one's going to laugh at you if you make a spelling mistake. I never notice the mistakes that you make in your text. I just read everything and I look at the photos. Yeah. I just everything for what it is. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, as you said earlier, we are our own worst critics, no matter what we write or share. Oh, yeah, it, it is. I, and that is one of my um, things about communities. I ne- I've never done this before. Honestly, I'm, I've never joined a community because of my spelling. Because usually if I have to write a letter or anything like that, I'll get my wife to go over it. And she says, no, you don't do that, do that. And so I've never done this community thing. So everything is new to me. I think I joined, I think it was the end of December last year. And I haven't looked back. It's It's been really good. It, it really has. Definitely. It's very enriching. And I also feel the effects of being in a community. There's definitely something special to it, as opposed to just constantly being on your own. You are exposed to so many stories and making friends. And it's just way more inspiring than shooting on your own. So, Absolutely, definitely. Yeah, definitely more people should join and get involved. It would be brilliant because we're a fantastic community and we, we seem to look after each other and that's, that's good. Exactly. Join our supportive community today, please, anyone who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> trying, I'm trying to sell it. thank you so much you're doing a wonderful job (laughs) no i I know it comes from the heart so i appreciate it yeah i want to focus on your macro photographs because they are outstanding you recently shared a photo of an insect was it a bee it was a wasp yeah that was a wasp i was i was just bored one day and i was i was having a look 
and uh, on the windowsill was this dead wasp. So I thought, right, okay. So I, I put it, it was dead. So I put it in a clamp, just fo focused on it. And um, he said, Anten if you look at the antennae, they're all over the place. So he's, he's proper dead. I focused on the eyes. And I think I used, I think I used the extension tube to just to um, extension tube. It just makes you focus more closer. And so I used the extension tube and I photostacked it. So I took about, that was probably about 10 photos that I took of that insect on different focus planes because on macro photography, you're, you've got a very, very shallow focus plane. So um, I think that may have been shot at something like F-16. And I was just different focus points and then took all the photos and stitched them together in Photoshop. And that was the edit. And then I moved it back over to Lightroom because I am so rubbish at Photoshop. And I'd, I'd done all my edits and just made it as it is. That's amazing. Focus stacking, I've never tried it. And you said that you stitched the photos together. I'm sure that's different to stitching a panorama. So how does that work? Is there a specific tool that does it for you or do you need to do it manually? No, you just go into Photoshop. You've got, think on the right, you've got panorama. And on the left, I think it's auto, uh, pre-aligned images, and that's the one you click on. Got it. Okay. Thank you so much. That's really exciting because, yeah, in macro photography, you get very, very soft focus. You don't want that sometimes. So if you want those no. images, yeah. Yeah, and Photoshop usually does a good job, and sometimes it doesn't. And then all I do is delete that and then do it again and it should sort it out so yeah it usually does a very good job before you edit your photographs how do you take the macro photos and do you have any tips for taking better macro photos right macro photos if you are in the field seriously forget your tripod you do not need a tripod because if you set your tripod up and you're trying to take a picture of the bee it won't sit still so handhold what I tend to do is I will switch off the autofocus because it'll be hunting and it, it, it's absolutely rubbish, uh, in my opinion. And that's on the 5D Mark IV. I flick my autofocus off. I pre-focus to where I want to be. And I will come in on the B and you'll see the focus in the viewfinder. And what I do, I, I set my camera to burst mode and taking the pictures on burst, I will rock ever so slightly backwards and forwards. And yes, you're going to take a lot of photos, but you will have some really good keepers in there. That's amazing. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very time-consuming process and you need to be patient, but the results will be worth it, as is obvious in your work. Yes, yes. And also, get yourself a decent light. It doesn't have to cost you a fortune. You know, you can use a torch. I use a little, um, tiny little torch if I'm taking pictures of fungi. 
I use a little torch just to light up the the underneath of the fungi, so it sort of looks sort of um, you know like like a fairy tale sort of thing, like a fairy would be living there. And or I've got uh, another light. Um, I've just just bought it, and it it does all different color temperatures. I think that was about seventy pounds, but it does all different color temperatures. And I use that on my macro, and you can sort of just hand hold it. It's only light, it's little. Yeah, you can use that. Or a good old reflector. Use a, a little white reflector um, to, to bounce the light. It's free, it's cheap. Bit of white card, you're done. One of my favorite techniques that you shared in the community that I didn't know about at all, didn't even think about doing was. Printing a photo of the sky or of the sky or of like grass and then using that as a backdrop, using the print as a backdrop. My mind was blown when I read that. I thought it was such an amazing technique and it's it's very cost effective. You don't need to spend a lot of money in professional backgrounds. I just go around. If I've got a lovely sky, take a picture of the sky and you print it out, but you've got to print it out on matte paper. It can't be glossy. It's got to be matte because you do not want that reflection. Yeah, and it really works well. I've done that for, you remember the butterfly in silhouette? Yes, I think I did. That was all done in my studio at the time, my my, my little office, and it it was a Red Admiral butterfly. I I picked some uh, barley, I think it was, put that in a clamp, put a photo of the sky behind it, and this little butterfly, it just sat there. And you thought, oh, it's going to fly away. But no, it just sat there. And I just snapped away. And eventually it did fly out the window. But um, yeah, that, that was really good. But again, it was a false background. With the barley, you would think you're out, you know, in a field. So clever, honestly. And thank you for sharing that with the members, because that's something I want to try when I take photos of products maybe or insects as well because as i said yeah it's it's budget friendly and it's your own photo that you're using as a backdrop so i think that's even more exciting because it's it's it's, yeah it'll save you it it will save you so much money and and you can save them you've got them now and you can just like i used to do is just flick through photographs and think oh no that looks a nice little backdrop for it and, yeah, I used to take photos of stones, anything. You know, if I thought it, it it looked, you know, pretty and I could use it, I would take a photo because it's cost-effective. You can start a business selling your own photography backdrops because it's a very simple Yeah, yeah I, I could, though, can I? Yeah, that would be good. You've talked about a few editing techniques already, but are there any other editing tools that you'd like to recommend to the listeners? Uh, editing tools i use lightroom and photoshop that's what i use now i am totally rubbish at photoshop i admit that you know lightroom i can do most of my work uh photoshop you know i I, I do my best the other one that i was looking at the other day was luminar now luminar apparently they've got a new this new upgrade where Stitching panos takes ages in Photoshop. It's a, a big pro- process. But apparently Luminar now 
they've got this new software that stitching a pano together will take seconds. So that's something to look at. And this is something for people, you know, on a budget. And because, you know, Lightroom, Photoshop, we sign up for it. I paid about £10 a month for it. This is another one. It's called Infinity Photo. I don't know if you've heard of that. Heard of it, but I've never used it. Right. Now, Infinity Photo, I had a look at this today. I actually downloaded this a few years ago, and I did pay for it. I think I paid about £45 for it a few years ago. Now, Infinity Photo, it's like Photoshop. It is. It does everything, and it's like Photoshop. Now you can buy this today at sixty-seven ninety-nine. That's that's pounds sterling. So you have to do your conversion, and it is like Photoshop, but obviously it is different to Photoshop. So you know you do work, still work in layers, but you you work. I think they call them personas in of Infinity Photo, and this would save you a fortune if you. You know, sixty-seven ninety-nine. It's like Photoshop. It it it's really good. They offer you different, like when you when you go in for it, they they give you free upgrades. Like I did today, I I re-downloaded it on my computer, and I got um like a fog filter they put on for me, a rain filter, a replacement sky filter. I've got got a rainbow filter if i want to use it they, they threw them all in and i i'm i'm going to have a play with this this year and and hopefully if i can and i do like it i might get rid of photoshop and lightroom because it's, it's costing you a, a subscription and i have already paid for infinity photo so yeah i might i might switch over to that it's very cost effective Thank you for all those recommendations. I'm very happy to know that there are different options out there. I mean, Adobe produces great software, but for me as well, my computer is not the latest version. And so I was recently opening Photoshop, editing some photos and it crashed. Opened Photoshop again, they said that I need to have a newer computer essentially in order to- Yeah, I, I had to buy a new computer at the start of this year. I had the same thing. Um, Photoshop, it just lagged. Lightroom would crash. I sort of bought a new computer and it's a laptop and it's it's a lot faster. But yeah, that, that that's the thing with uh, Lightroom and Photoshop. They're such demanding, so demanding on your ICU that it, it sort of overloads everything and it, it, it does crash. Yeah, it crashes for me quite often, which is frustrating. So I'm trying to find alternatives that take up less space yeah less memory because my little computer i mean it's it's good but not for photoshop <laughs> look, look at infinity photo they give you a free trial for a month if you don't like it don't have it mm -hmm. okay i'll check it out thank you it's definitely something that i think yeah. i'm interested in so yeah but yeah to anyone yeah. who's listening who's also struggling with this it's okay there are alternatives out there you don't always need to buy a new computer or it's just because Lightroom and Photoshop are so heavy on your ICU. That's what my son-in-law has told me. It's so heavy on your ICU. 
it's it, it makes your computer crash. So it's not good. Yeah, that's very true. Hopefully they'll be able to fix this issue, but at least there are alternatives out there. Yes. You have a very interesting life story. It's very touching and inspiring, and you've shared bits and pieces in the community, which I really appreciate because it's not easy to be vulnerable with anyone, but especially online. You overcame your struggles, and now you're thriving as a photographer. What advice would you give to someone who's going through a difficult time? To be honest, if someone is going through a difficult time, I've been there and it was a very, at the time, it was a very dark place and I, I didn't like it. I would say reach out and talk to someone. You need to talk to someone and, and don't think, oh, they're going to laugh at me or talk to someone. Please, even if you're listening to this and um, you're a member of our community and you're going through a, a difficult time and you can't talk to someone, message me. I will give you my phone number, my contact details, and we will talk on the phone. Please, please, you need to talk to someone. I I spoke um, at at the time. I was on the phone. uh, It was about two o'clock in the morning, and I'd had enough. I was on the phone to the Samaritans. I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, No, I've never heard of them. Well, in the UK, it's like a help. Um, it's a helpline for people with depression and that sort of thing. And I was I was crying. My wife heard me crying at 2 o'clock in the morning. She'd come down, put her arm around me, and I just let it all out. Yeah, I'd, and she's been like a rock to me. You know, she's sort of the light at the end of the tunnel. You really do need to speak to someone. I mean, at the time, because I call myself an artist or, or whatever, I thought, Do you know what, I'm going to photograph the way I feel. And I photographed, um, I, I told my wife to just go out for the day, I'll, I'll be all right, I just want to do some photography. And I photographed myself naked but decent, how I was feeling at the time. And do you know, I look at them photos now and I, I, I look back and I think that's that's not me. That that is just not me. And it it sort of at the time it sort of uplifted me. You know, and I I could look at how things had affected me and how I feel now. So just definitely please just reach out and speak to someone. Because um, you, you'll find that, that there are people that do love you and, and will help you. Absolutely. Thank you for saying everything that you said about reaching people reaching out to you if they need someone to talk to. It's definitely the case for many of our community members as well. Just in general, if you have a friend who you think you could trust or if you just want to call a helpline, it's really important to speak with someone. And it can get your mind off of things sometimes. Someone can distract you, make you feel better, can help you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no embarrassment to it. But I mean, mental health, it, it is a killer. You do need to be aware of it and you have to be on top of it. And I've had friends that's gone through the same and I've spoken to them. And just reaching out to someone, it can just be that light where you think, you know, I'm not alone. 
because mental health you do feel you you feel you're the only person on this planet it does get you like that very true this has turned into a very good therapy session in my opinion sorry i'll give you my bill (laughs) (laughs) no i think it's no it's very uplifting and it's good that we are discussing these things it's so important for anyone but especially photographers in the community to reach out to one another and as robert said it's not embarrassing at all no one's going to think as we mentioned earlier that oh you you aren't spelling things correctly or you're not taking photos correctly or you're not good or worthy as a person in fact when someone reaches out for help the person who's receiving that request usually feels very honored right and it's nice and you want to help the other person who asks because it's a very brave and vulnerable thing to do so if you're in a community that you trust, then that's all you need. Just reach out to someone and hopefully get the help that you need. So, yeah, oh, thank definitely. you for that, Robert. And I'm happy to know that you're in a better place now as well. And I can sense that in your work as well, and your passion for photography. And I'm very happy that we get to see that. Uh, I'm, I'm actually loving life. I, I, I really am. I'm loving life. So it's, it's great. In your opinion, what are your strengths and weaknesses as a photographer? This was quite easy for me because I think my strength as a photographer is definitely knowledge. And I, I, I don't want to be, you know, sanding like I'm being, you know, over the top. But I think it's knowledge is my strengths, it's my editing skills. I've spent all them years, you know, taking black and white. You can see in black and white you you can see it something and you think do you know what that make a lovely black and white image or you you'll look at something and you think no that's got to be color because there's certain things that pop out that needs to be color so yeah i think that's that's my strengths is actually seeing things in black and white what would make a good black and white photo because i spent so many years taking black and white yeah, so allow me strengths. My weaknesses, I think, is my actually my body is the worst thing. Um, weaknesses is my multiple sclerosis. That's that's the hardest thing. It's my movement. I'm doing a 52 week challenge, and at the moment, I'm stuck on uh, film. You know the the film. I, I think that's week 36 or 37. I'm stuck on that because I I can't get out at the moment, so I'm sort of stuck. I will get there next week. So definitely, it's definitely my movement. When I go and shoot uh, wildlife photography, if I'm struggling, my wife come with me, and she she's sort of my donkey. Like she carries all my luggage, and I get there, and she. You know, she sort of unpacks everything for me and then sets me up lesser. But, yeah, that's definitely one of my weaknesses. We went out to to the coast. It was Bradwell, and we were shooting. I see this. It was a photo I took, and it was these sticks in the mud, and I, I took it a couple of years ago. So I, I went out there. I got stuck in the mud. And my wife was laughing at me. You know, I couldn't move. My my feet had sunk. I had my tripod. I had my camera. 
you know, my camera bag was there. That was at the side. And my wife was laughing. She had to come and rescue me. So we ended up digging my boots out of because I pulled my feet out and my boots were still stuck in the mud. So I dug my boots out and she was still laughing. With that, it sort of turned because where she was laughing so much, she didn't realise that her feet had gone sunk into the mud and she was very deep. So she had to pull her shoes out. Now, where it was so, like, you know, where it was sinking so much, she pulled her feet out and I said, oh, I'm so sorry, love, but we've got to move because we're just both getting stuck in the mud. And she had to walk back about two and a half miles in bare feet. That wasn't good, but that cost me uh, a new set of boots and I had to take her out for the meal that night. I remember that story. I think you took photos for the black and white corks and then you shared that. And I remember yes. you know, it was yes. scary, but also amusing. And I'm glad that you were able to laugh about it with your wife. Yeah, we had to laugh about it. But definitely, again, my legs sort of letting me down a bit. But it's, it, it, it is the way it is. So, you know, I don't, I don't worry about it too much. I'm glad that you don't, and I'm very happy to know that your wife is there as your helper. And you mentioned in the community as well that she seems to be getting into photography too, and that's a good thing. You know, she accompanies you, and she maybe got the photography bug as well. Yes, yes, she comes comes out with me, and she uh, she uses my old Canon 6D, and where obviously it's a Canon, she can use all my equipment, all my lenses, and everything else. So it. it you know, it's a full-frame camera. It's a lovely little camera, and she goes out, takes photos, you know, and she really enjoys it. And hopefully, I'm hoping that she she will join this course, so that would be good. That would be amazing. I would love to see her in the course. Yeah, so that would be good. It would be a nice um, something she can look forward to and she can learn from. Absolutely. If people want to check out your work, how can they find you online? I've got two Instagram accounts. One is called Life in Black and White. And the other one is, is Photos by Robbie. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure to share all the links to Robert's work. Yeah. And you can also find Robert in the community, of course. There you'll get direct access to him and you'll be able to see all of his latest pictures, which is very exciting for all of us. Yeah. Robert, I have one more question for you, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oh, see, this is a hard one. Someone actually wanting to purchase your pictures. I think if you can sell your art, that would be good. Um, someone actually looking at your art and saying, I want to, I want to buy that, that would be nice. Uh, you know, and, and sort of, leave a, a sort of legacy for my children um, and my, my grandchildren when they, they, they can look back and say, oh, granddad's done this and done that. That would be nice. But definitely someone purchasing new pictures. I mean, I'd, some of my pictures I've put up are on uh, Shutterstock. I use that quite a lot. Shutterstock, yeah. The best-selling photo I've got up on there I mean, you you get peanuts for him. You really do. Um, he's my grandson. He had a, a belly button hernia. 
that's got nearly two and a half hundred downloads just on that one. It is what it is, but I, I do use Shutterstock and I use Adobe, but not as much. You get a better price with Adobe, but um, I haven't got that many photos on, on Adobe as Shutterstock. But yes, definitely someone looking at one piece of art that you've done and saying, do you know what, I want to buy that. Because I, th I think as a photographer, that is special. Definitely very special. And it's such an honor when somebody wants to create your work and hang it up on their wall or just have it in their home somewhere. It's a very special feeling. And I really, I'm sure actually that someone will want to buy your work because the quality of your images, the variety of subjects that you photograph. I mean, I am certain that a lot of people would love to print your photographs. So thank you for sharing your journey with the listeners and with me. It was really nice to get to know you more. And I really look forward to seeing all the photos that you take in the future. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Taya, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really enjoyed speaking with Robert and finding out about his inspirational story. I hope that his perseverance and his positive outlook on life inspire you to be more optimistic in your own life and to pursue photography fearlessly to reach out to people if you're going through a difficult time. Once again, thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.